Hey guys, it's Ed. I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And this is a big, big show for you today. Um, we have um, our, our newest true crime later on in the show. And we have the Jesse Smollett story, which has big breaking news as we speak. Um, that's going to be our, our last segment of the dying. Or of the episode. I keep saying night. And I'm really sorry about that. Because I, I know I shouldn't be saying night. Like I'm recording this. It's 10.30. Um, on February 20th. 2019. But I don't know when you're listening to this. I'm assuming that since it's. Um, a newsy or show. Um, you're listening to it. Within a couple of days of me recording. But I don't know that for sure. And in any case. Um, grab some popcorn because we have some good shit tonight. Right? Good, good stuff this episode. Ooh, Will's right. I might need production notes, guys. <laughs> Alright, so the very first story because I just completely fucked this segment up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the first segment, um, if I hadn't screwed up so badly, was going to be part of our Drunk Awards um, mega episode that's coming out this weekend, um, but, you know, it is what it is, I screwed up horribly, and this segment is not going into that episode, um, rumors are starting to kick up that, um, even though the producers of the Oscars have said that, Um, Oscar producers, uh, I just got a text from Will saying I better not be recording without production notes. That's why I got distracted. Sorry about that. Anyways, um, Oscar producers have said that there's not going to be a host. For the first time since 1989, they're going to um, have a hostless um, production. But rumor is that Whoopi Goldberg might have been hired as a secret host. Part of that is the fact that she has been missing from The View um, for weeks now. Um, the official story from The View is that she's out um, recovering from pneumonia. Um, Joy Behar opened um, the episode, the an episode of The View today saying... Look, Whoopi's really sick. She's it's a stupid conspiracy theory saying that she's um hosting the Oscars, that's not gonna happen, blah blah blah. But it would be the biggest surprise and a really welcome one because Whoopi Goldberg is a great Oscar hostess. Um you know, she's, she's done it before, most recently in 2002, which I believe is when her sitcom was out. And I think she was promoting that. Um, sorry, that, that really doesn't have anything to do with anything. Um, ABC also stepped forward and said, no, Whoopi is not secret hosting the Oscars. But you know how these rumors, these rumors always get started in some basis of truth. Um, and I'm looking at the Justice Smollett case here. Um, you know, almost from the very beginning, people were saying um, that cops were looking at him and thinking that this was a hoax. 
And the cops kept saying, no, no, no. And then... Finally, they stopped saying no. So, ABC can say no. All they want. But I really, truly believe that... um, If it does turn out to be a false rumor... It started from somewhere. I don't know where and I don't know why. But it, w- it would have had to start from somewhere. Maybe people are hoping for that. I know I'm kind of hoping for that. It would be a great capper to this whole thing. And I'm thinking about um, either live tweeting or live um, podcasting. Or doing a, um, a radio show. Um... On Sunday for the Oscars. We'll see. Um, I don't know if I'll be actually be able to do that. We'll, um, we'll have to double check. But in any case, tell me what you think. Is Whoopi Secret hosting the Oscars? I'm going to go and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And hopefully I don't screw up this segment like I did the last one. Um, so, the, and this is really ironic. I had not planned this. But I just realized that this is kind of turning into an episode of um, specials. Like, you know how I always do, like, a special segment, whether it's a blind item or um, drunk politics or drunk writing or whatever? Well, this is going to be a drunk politics. Um, Sorry, not sorry. Um, uh, So, if you don't know... um, if 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 you don't know this, then you haven't been listening... For very long, maybe this is your first time listening, and welcome, thank you. Hopefully this doesn't turn you off, but I'm a liberal. And I happen to love Alexandria. Um, Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> I didn't stutter because I didn't know her name. I just always get confused um, on how to say ocasio so AOC is not my representative, unfortunately, but she is a representative from New York. She's, um, I believe she's the Bronx and parts of Queens. She's hugely popular. She's a social media superstar. Um, and they're saying that if she was old enough to run for president, she and, and Trump would make for one hell of a, um, uh, a matchup. Unfortunately, she's not old enough. I think she's like 29. So in six more years. Um, if you don't know, I'm actually thinking about doing an AOC episode sometime in the future. Um, which is everything about her. But for right now, what you need to know is, now that she's in Washington, she's been sworn in and all that kind of good stuff. Um, she is trying to put together what's being called the Green New Deal in order to combat climate change and get things together. Well, our favorite former sitcom star, Roseanne Barr, is not a big fan of AOCs. Um... Roseanne did a 
a YouTube video where she just rambles on for a while. And uh, these are just some choice quotes. She, um, Roseanne called AOC a fracan-loving, bug-eyed bitch who is costing hundreds of people decent-paying jobs. Then she... Then she leveled an allegation without evidence that's not based on any kind of reality. She said she got paid to do that, paid to decimate communities because they breathe carbon in the air or some horse shit. Then she says it, um, about the Green New Deal, it's a fucking Ponzi scheme and a con game. Bug-eyed bitch who looks like a realtor. And finally, she said, lefty dumbasses, dumb as they get. Now, here's a couple things you need to know. Roseanne herself used to be a liberal. Um, in fact, that was one of the reasons why her sitcom Roseanne was so popular. Because she extolled the actual values of middle class. That's not saying every middle class family is liberal. It's not saying that, you know, they're this, that, or, or whatever. But Roseanne used to actually give a damn about other people. She wasn't always a mean-spirited old woman with nothing to offer anybody. But these rambling thoughts on the political climate that have no evidence and no basis in reality. So here's here's a couple things um, that I, I actually found out. The original New Deal was hugely unpopular. It was pushed through because it needed to be pushed through to help stimulate the economy. Um, and the new green the green deal, the new green deal, whatever you want to call it. Is hugely unpopular. Um, AOC and some of her fellow socialists are working um, to get it passed, but they're getting a lot of pushback—not just from Republicans, but from from Democrats as well. And nobody is thinking it's going to get done this term because. Um, it's a really big undertaking. And I think the Democrats are a little bit afraid of it and what it might do to their chances in 2020. So there's that to think about. And the final thing to think about is even if it got through the House and it got through the Senate somehow it would still have to go across the president's desk, who is very likely to veto it because he doesn't give a shit about climate change or anything like that. So we're all talking about this Green New Deal, which is great, but this package is not going to be ready for a while. So we're all getting up in arms about nothing. And Roseanne... Unbunch your panties, go back to your peanut farm, and take a deep breath, honey. The liberals are not the scary people. You are.
I'm gonna go and I'll be right back. And I'm back. So again, this was not planned, but you know, sometimes things just work out. And um, I've been meeting. I was actually supposed to do this segment yesterday, but I got bumped. Um, so if you haven't heard yet, my beloved Jackie Collins and her and her sister Joan are getting the TV series treatment. A production company has bought the um the life rights to the sisters, or the rights to the sisters' lives. I swear I'm a good writer. I'm actually good at my job sometimes. When I'm not being... When I'm not being yelled at that I need production notes. Anyways, um... So, so... The rights to Jackie and Joan's life have been bought by a production company. They're putting together a series. Um, right now, it's, it's looking like it's going to debut in England... And hopefully come across the pond. Um, uh, over here, the networks are kind of... Good. They're not jumping at it right now because they haven't been offered. But the, there are two very likely homes for it. E! Entertainment. Which um, Jackie Collins actually used to have a show on. And I believe Joan Collins um, was a recurring character on The Royals. So both sisters have a deep relationship with E, and I wouldn't be surprised if they, if it ended up there. The other is ABC. Um, there was, I believe, when Jackie's novels were create um were turned into TV movies, ABC was the home network, and Joan starred in at least two or three of them. So again, deep ties um, to to both networks. Um, my guess is E would get them before ABC, but I would never, never, ever count ABC out. And so as I was reading this, I started thinking about Jackie Collins, who I've, I think I've told you guys, I've actually met her. Um, she was a wonderful, wonderful human being, um, and I'm so, I'm better because I got to meet her. I'm, I'm not only a better person, but I'm a better writer, um, because she, the advice she gave was so sage, and she said, don't be constricted by what you think is going to sell, let your imagination go. People told me that I would never make any money writing about Hollywood, and here I am, I'm making a ton of money. And it, it's just one of those things where it's so, so true, so fascinating. You know, there's, uh, there's so much that can be said. Um, I, I always come up with these ideas and then I show them because I'm like, they, they can't work. And then I remember Jackie Collins used to be told the same thing. And in fact, publishers told her that her books would never sell. And she um, she landed at St. Martin's Press where she was until the day she died. And she sold millions of books. Um, 
I'm trying to remember the last statistic I read was it was like 180 million. And it, what what this means is that there actually is a market for that kind of writing. And luckily, I I do like doing that kind of writing. Yes, I love writing true crime. I um, it, it's one of my favorites right now. I love writing about sex, which Jackie Collins did too. Um, just in case you didn't know. Um, you know, I like writing. I loved writing Crazy Rich Homos. Um, and and there's nothing saying that I can't write those things. There's nothing in the world saying that I have to be one. And I think that's what Jackie Collins was trying to say. Like, you're not restricted by sales numbers. You're only restricted by what you tell yourself. And I think that's a really profound message to take with us. Um, If you're a fellow writer, don't stress yourself out. Don't uh, don't believe the hype that you have to choose one one category or one kind of book to write for the rest of your career. If you want to write in multiple genres, if you want to do different and weird things, that's more power to you. Um, you know, John Grisham is known for his legal thrillers, but he's also written. Um, he wrote one art artsy type thriller. Um, which was actually very good. Um, he's written some melodramas. He's written some um, some kids books. He's written a true crime book. Um, Stephen King is mostly known for horror, but same thing. He's written in all sorts of genres. And I'm really hoping... Um, that people just start listening to Jackie and write what you want to write. And I'm hoping that this this new TV series is worthy of being about the Collins sisters. And I hope I'm worthy of a break because I'm going to go and I'll be right back. And I'm back. Did you miss me? <laughs> um... So tonight's true crime includes the kind of salacious gossip that makes me scream with an orgasm. And yes, I realize how that sounds while I'm talking about a murder, but I mean, truly, this is one of those just excellent, excellent um, true crime stories. Um, The story's not yet published, but I'm writing actually two articles based on this story. Um... One is tentatively titled, um, again, it's not published yet, so the editors may change the, the title, um, Superman Super Killed, which is a dorky title and completely, um, just, I, I, when I, when I wrote the title, I was, I thought it was clever, and then when I said it out loud, I was like, oh my god, it's horrible. And the other is called The Superman Haunting. Um, We're going to talk about both articles in this segment. And there's a very good chance later on down the road that Will and I will record an episode all about this case. Because it truly is fascinating. Um, And it goes to show how much power these Hollywood players had back in the 
1950s and 60s. So George Reeves um, played Superman in the Adventures of Superman um, in the mid-50s. I, I, I'm not worried about exact dates, and I don't think you guys are either. That's not why we came here. Um, anyway, so during this time, uh, he, he had like, a bunch of acclaim, and if, but after the series ended, he wasn't getting work. Before that, he was working a ton. But he became so synonymous with the role of Superman that he wasn't getting any work. So, what does this all mean? To, to be honest, nothing really. In the grand scheme of things, all it meant was he had more time to have an affair with Tony... I keep wanting to call her Mannix. Oh, it is Mannix. Tony Mannix, who was the wife of uh, Eddie Mannix, who was who ran MGM at the time. So, so he had an affair with her, and then he met Lenore. Um, Lenore Lemon. So the night in question, the night that we're talking about, Lenore and three friends were having this party. And he and George Reeves tromped downstairs because he, he was so pissed off at the loud noise. And he yelled at them all, whatever. Then, allegedly, he went back up and shot himself. But there's a problem with this theory that he shot himself. First of all, Lenore waited for more than an hour to call the police after she heard the shot. Secondly, there were more than three... There were there were three bullets found. One went straight through Reeves' skull and into the ceiling. And then there were two more in the floor. So now, theories abound that... George Reeves was killed. But who killed him? Um, one theory has it that Tony Mannix was really pissed off that he ended their affair and got engaged to Lenore. So she she decided that she was going to take matters into her own hands and, and murder him. The second theory is that Eddie Mannix learned of the affair and decided that no actor was going to disrespect him and killed. The problem with these two theories is how would how would either of them snuck past the four people shot him and then snuck back out without being seen? I'm not saying they're wrong because we don't know and we'll never know for sure. I'm just saying that there seems there's some sort of logical disconnect there. My theory is that Tony learned of the affair, or I'm sorry, not Tony, Lenore learned of the affair with Tony 
and decided that she was not going to be made a fool of, especially after he embarrassed her in front of her friends, went up, shot him, realized what she'd done, and concocted the suicide explanation. The cops never really looked into it. it even though there was overwhelming evidence that this was a murder, they, they kind of just were like, mm, okay, yeah, it makes sense that he killed himself and we're just going to go ahead and mark this as a suicide. And they did, for whatever reason. It, it's not something that is easily explainable. I'm not even sure that people want to hear the actual reasoning, or any reasoning for that matter. But, um, I I really do, I, I truly do believe that it makes more sense that this was Lenore than anyone else. And again, I'm not trying to say that Tony or Eddie were innocent. They, maybe they played a part in it. Maybe they gave Lenore money. Or maybe they planted the idea in her head. We'll never know for sure. So, why did I bring up the ghost part? I did that because... Rumor has it... The house is still standing. And it's been sold and resold so many times it's not even funny now. But rumor has it that if you live in there, George Reeves will appear to you in his Superman costume. And it freaked out one couple so bad that they left the same night that they bought the house. They, they actually backed out of the deal to buy the house because they were so freaked out by seeing his ghost. Now, I don't know how spiritual everyone is, um, but my, my experience... Um, and researching and learning about ghosts um, for a comedy. <laughs> yes, I actually did some research for a comedy, people. Um, suggest that a ghost is either around to protect you or they're around to... Um, because their death is unresolved. And a lot of people truly believe that George Reeves is around because his death is unresolved. I I don't know what more there is to say about that. Um, you know, I hope one day that we can get resolution, but it's very doubtful because everyone involved in that situation has now passed away. And therefore, we're not going to be able to get to the truth. And I was sorry for that. I was taking a drink. Um, So, that is the short story of George Reeves. As I said, I'm I'm probably going to expand upon this in a future vlog. Um, If you want to see any of our vlogs, um, sign up for our Patreon. Author Ed A., And I am going to go and be right back. And I'm back. So, this is it. The the big segment of the night. 
hopefully not as long as that true crime segment was. <laughs> and when you guys listen to the true crime um, put together, just just forgive me and love me and just know I'm doing my best for y'all. <laughs> oh, anyways, Josie Smollett. Uh, I really, one day, um, we're going to do a deep dive into this. Um, it's going to be available exclusively, exclusively on the Patreon. Author Ed, A, or author Ed Anderson, my other. Um, but let's get into the Jesse story. So when we left off yesterday, uh, we were talking about how he was a suspect, even though the Chicago PD hadn't officially called him one. Well, the Chicago PD has a, uh, not only officially called him a suspect, but prosecutors have charged him with um, making a false police report and faking his attack. Uh, this is what was breaking um, when I said earlier, so I was trying to get all the information together. Um, initially, people said that he was indicted by the grand jury. He was not indicted yet. He was charged by the prosecutors. Chicago PD has demanded that he surrender himself. I don't know if he if he has or if he plans on it. Um, but, you know, I was talking to... I, I did the statuses on Facebook. And there's a lot of people talking about this right now. And everyone keeps asking, why did he do it? I'm saying, let's wait to see what happened. We don't know yet. We don't know that he did do it. We don't know what's actually happening. Because it <coughs> would not be an episode without me coughing. I swear. Um, we don't know... Um, where this case is going to take us next. It it appears that the brother, the Nigerian brothers who were arrested for uh, the attack and then eventually let go without being charged were interviewed by the grand jury for two hours. Which is all well, fine and good, you know. It's standard practice, more or less. Um, but it's a little weird that the police are taking their side over Jesse's, and I'm kind of curious as to why, like, is there something that they're not releasing, you know, because they have these guys going in and buying the rope, they found, um, the red ski mask, the MAGA hats, um, all of this stuff. So why are they listening to these dudes over the alleged victim? And if Jesse did, in fact, fake this, what is that going to do to movements like Me Too? Um, or the, you know, are are people going to suddenly stop listening to the victims that have come forward? Are they going to stop listening to... Um, the LGBT community who are attacked, and I'm sorry, it's LGBTQ, please forgive me. Um, but the question here is, 
what what happens next um and that's what it, that seems to be the resounding thing that I'm being asked so I don't really know what I'm assuming is going to happen is that Jesse will um turn himself in and be released on bail his job is in Chicago it's not likely he's going to skip bail if he does that's going to prove that he faked this and that he's guilty I think the next part of this um, story, um, it, it could be very much in the vein of what um, blind gossip suggested in that we're going to get some sort of mental illness story, or um, he's going to try to flip the narrative, which at this time they're not really saying anything, which I don't know if, his, if that's worrisome. If the police ask them not to say anything, I you know I think because Empire's involved, I keep expecting this huge twist. Last night I talked about how it could have been Lee Daniels who set up the attack, um, and I still I'm I'm still kind of standing by that he could have, um, but I keep expecting it to turn out to be something like Jesse's been working with Chicago PD this whole time. Um, you know, and boom, this is what we've uncovered. I don't think that's actually going to happen because this is real life and not an episode of Empire, but Lordy knows I would love it if it were to happen. Um, and then finally, we have to talk about the media. And, and and that includes me because I did jump to, right to defending Jesse. I'm not sorry for that. I will never be sorry for taking up the side of a victim. Was I quick to rush to condemn those who weren't as quick to jump to Jesse's defense? Yes. But as I said on that day, an LGBTQ person being attacked is hits me in a way that um, unfortunately other attacks don't. Not that I don't care about these other attacks that happen, I do. But when it's when it, especially when it's a gay person or an LGBTQ person, that's my community. They are the ones who lift me up, and who I hope I lift up. Um, and I, we should all be doing that for everyone, but that's not always the case. There are straight people out there who will hate you just to hate you. Just like there are whites who will hate blacks, blacks who will hate whites. You know, I've been very lucky in that I've not dealt with any of that. Um, almost every single person I've ever come in contact with has been very uplifting. The ones that weren't didn't stay around very long. And and thank thank the good Lord above that they didn't stay around very long. Um, and yes, there's infighting in the LGBTQ community. But again, that's not something that um that's not something that happens to me. Um, I just I know it exists, I've seen it. But it it's never really afflicted me again that's a good thing so 
yes, I will always, if someone says I was beat up because I was gay or they yelled something, I will believe that person. I will try to work on being less quick to condemn those who aren't as quick as I am. Um, But the rest of the media seems to follow whatever narrative is getting the most traction with ratings. And I think that's what we need to stop. We need our media to be unbiased, balanced, and bring us the hard truth. If that means, Jesse, in Jesse's case, it's, um, if the truth is it was a hoax, fine, take us there. Show us the evidence. Don't use spotty evidence and people who are not within the, the investigation. You know, there were a bunch of people who just were on the street and they were like, no, it didn't happen, no, it didn't happen. And that's not okay. If you have a source inside this Chicago PD, I get it. You're not always going to be able to name your sources. I don't know. I'm not always able to name my sources. So I, I of all people, understand that. But let's quit jumping to going out on the street and letting those people make the news. Let the newsmakers make the news. And let me go and get off my soapbox. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening as always. I appreciate it. I love each and every one of you. And um, if you need to get a hold of me, um, you can tweet at me at author ed a. Um, Facebook, Instagram, author ed Anderson. Email ed at author ed Anderson.com. And until next time, I'm going to lift my martini glass and say cheers. <laughs>